Jesus looked at his disciples and said, this is my body. It's broken for you. And he said, this is my blood. It's the reason that we have a new relationship with God. It represents a new covenant in a new way. Lord, today we thank you that we have the opportunity today to remember you, not out of ritual, God, out of relationship, that you have so loved us, that you have so given yourself for us. Lord, today we thank you that we get to celebrate and we get to remember who you are in our lives today. In Jesus' name. baptize a new family member into our kingdom to be able to to talk about and celebrate with somebody who said I've given my life to Jesus and just a minute ago when I asked Miss Jenna Jeffries and I said what is it that you what had happened in your life in June what did God do in you she goes I realized that I came to a point where there were no more excuses and I needed to give my life to Jesus and so Jenna let me ask you this question have you given your life to Jesus as your Lord and Savior and it's on that profession of faith that I have the honor to baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in baptism, and raised to walk in new life. Proud of you. Amen. Man, that's exciting. I love it. I love it when we get to come into this place and we get to celebrate like that. And let me just say something before uh, we get into the message today. I just, I want to tell you guys... I can't say enough, when you watch that video and you see what the Lord has done this last year in our church, I just want to give God praise. I woke up this morning and I said, Lord, if nobody comes today, if one person comes today, I am coming today with a sense of expectancy because I know what you've done and I know what you want to do in and through your people. So if you have your Bible today, today is going to be one of those messages that kind of stands alone. But there, it's a great word that God wants to teach us today. Turn to the book of Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. I uh, tweeted earlier this week, this is one of the passages of Scripture that has forever changed the world. You know, John 3.16 is one of those passages. You can read it, and you understand that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And, you know, you can see it in the end zone at the NFL football game. Uh, but this is one of those passages, when you read it, we read it many times, and, and we need to rediscover it the way that God wants us to discover it, okay? Matthew chapter 28. And uh, I want to read this to you real quick. Out of the NIV, it says this. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority... And heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Those were some of Jesus' last words. Like, if you were to write down your last words, what would your last words be? I mean, what would you tell people? What would you want people to know? Would you say something like, hey, don't forget to make the house payment? 
or don't forget to pay the bills, or don't forget to let the cat out at night, it'll mess up the house. Uh, Jesus, in this moment of his life, gave one of the greatest descriptions of last words, because I don't know about you, last words are important words. They're very important words. So when Jesus gave us that, it must have been very important because it came at the end of his life and he was about to leave and he was about to ascend to be with the Father and he knew that we were gonna be down here and he said, hey, if if you don't get anything else right, here's what I want you to get. And so that's why these words are so important today. So I wanna begin by asking you a question today. What is God's will for your life? You ever thought about that? What is God's will for my life? I mean, when you break it down and you say, you know, I want to know what God's will is for my life. I want to know what his purpose is. I want to know why I'm here. I want to know what is God's will for my life. I meet people all the time. They want to know that. A lot of times uh, teenagers or single adults will come to me and say, what is God's will for my relationships? Or what is God's will for me in marriage? Does God want me to be married? Does God want me to marry this guy or marry this girl? And, and, And I hear people say that all the time. But if you notice that when it comes to asking that question... Here's what we learn about that question. There are two types of decisions in life. There are objective decisions and there are subjective decisions. For instance, I know it's God's will that every person in this room wear deodorant. I'm pretty confident of that. Okay, look at your neighbor real quick and say, you smell really good today. All right, some of you have been wanting to say that all morning. Like, wow, is that Old Spice? Or is that Axe? Okay. The truth is... Some decisions are so objective and some decisions are so subjective. So here's what we do. We come to God and we say, God, what is your will for my life as it relates to my career? Like, I want to know, like, am I supposed to be the next Donald Trump or am I going to be like, you know, a a newscaster? What is your will for my career? What type of job am I going to have? That seems to be like a really subjective decision, right? There's like 50 million avenues you could go. But then there's a lot of objective decisions. When you look at your life, there's just some things that you don't even need to think about or you don't even need to pray about. It is not God's will for some of you to drive like you do through downtown Atlanta. Okay, I've seen you. (laughs) All right, you're trying to meet Jesus early. All right, you don't get to meet him early. You get to meet him on his time, not your time. But I want you to know, some decisions are subjective and some decisions are objective. Let me ask you this question today. If we're not willing to make the objective decisions in our life that God wants us to make, why would it matter how we make the subjective ones? I mean, think about that. If God has already told us what he wants us to do regarding something and he's objective about it and we don't do it, then why would we expect him to give us the wisdom to make subjective decisions in life? God, I want to know what your will is for my life. Should I buy this car? Should we buy this house? Should I take this job? Should we start a family? And we look at all these things and we go, what is God's will? Well, the truth is, many times we miss it when it comes to the things that God has clearly told us to do in our lives. In fact, I thought about it this way. The Bible is full of objective decisions, I mean, think about it. When you read it, I mean, he's pretty clear. These are the things I want you to do. Jesus told them in the scripture, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go make disciples of all nations. And he goes on and he tells us that. So when it comes to the will of God, I thought about it this way this week. It's more important to obey the will of God we know rather than be obsessed 
about the will of God I don't know. It's more important for me to obey the things I do know. Paul said in the book of Philippians, he said, only let me live up to what I've already obtained. In other words, what he's saying is, I got a full-time job just putting into practice everything that Jesus has already told me to do. And even in my 40s, I could spend the rest of my life just living out the objective things that God has told me to do. So today, I want to talk to you about a very objective decision. It's a very important decision, and I'll explain why in just a minute. Today, I want to talk to you about baptism. And here's why I want to talk to you about baptism. As a believer, as a follower of Christ, baptism is the next step in our journey with him. And I'm going to explain why I'm going to talk about it today. It is the will of God, if we are a Christ follower, to be baptized. You say, I don't believe that. Well, we're going to talk about that over the next few moments. The final marching orders of Jesus to his disciples were very clear. He told them in this passage, this is what I want you to do. Baptism, for most of us, is the one decision objectively we can make to help us not only take the next step in our faith, but for some of us to get unstuck in our faith. We're going to talk about that today. So if you have a pen, there's a few things I want you to write down today because as we dive into this topic on baptism, it's important that we understand it from the way the Bible teaches it today. And here's what I know. Baptism, it's a very touchy subject for some people. It's like walking into some of our houses and going, you know what? I don't like those color curtains in your house. You need this color. I don't know why we get that way. But we're going to talk about why we get that way. So I want to simplify what Jesus taught us in regards to the idea of baptism. Because I don't know about you, I want to hear what Jesus has to say. So number one, if you have a pen, write this down. The authority on baptism is Jesus. The authority on baptism is Jesus. Before he left the earth, it's the last thing he told us to do. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Not to me, to Jesus. That's what Jesus said. He said, all authority in heaven and earth was given to him. Now, if you stop right there, here's what that means. The church is not the authority on baptism. Now, I'm going to freak some of you out. The local denomination is not the authority on baptism. Jesus is the authority on baptism. And in his word, he tells us very quickly. You see, I could share with you my opinion. I could say, well, I think, you know, if you look at it this way, well, 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 if you've never done it, if you've gone to this church, listen, that doesn't matter. That's just my opinion. When Jesus said it right here, he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. That was a setup statement. Jesus was setting us up for what he wanted to tell us. He said, and because of this, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go make disciples of all nations And I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, we're going to talk about it in a minute, but here's the problem with that statement that most of us struggle with. If you grew up in a church that taught anything other than what Jesus taught regarding baptism, you're going to struggle with that. But I want to tell you today, don't confuse biblical theology with human tradition. You see, some of us, family tradition has trumped what the Bible says. And we got to go back to what the Word of God says, because the Word of God is our instruction manual, not Papa's opinion. Now, Papa's good, but I don't know about you, I've had some weird family traditions in my house. 
Like some of you have weird family traditions. And as good as they are, they're not solid when it comes to the word of God. And so in this passage, Jesus was saying, hey, listen, I've got all authority. I want you to understand this. Jesus gets the first and the last word. He has all authority. You know what's crazy about this? When you talk about baptisms with people, it it typically brings up an emotional issue in their mind because of how they were brought up. Like some of you were brought up in a very staunch, you know, maybe very, very fundamental church. Some of you were brought up, you know, in, a, in, a, in an upbringing where, well, we went to church about 10 times a year, but it was only the, the 10 best Sundays of the year, you know, like Christmas, Easter, and, you know, I, I didn't grow up in church. I don't have a heritage to look years and years and years when I was little saying, man, this is how I grew up, and so this is what we were taught. I mean, someone asked me the other day, what church did you attend when you were young? I, I attended Bedside Baptist, okay? I just stayed in bed. Never got up. So what I'm sharing with you today doesn't come from my human tradition. It comes from the fact of the fact that Jesus is the one who has the authority. Some of you in this room, you were sprinkled. Some of you were baptized as an infant. There's nothing wrong with that. We're going to talk about that in just a minute, but we're going to talk about the difference. The issue today is not your church background or where we grew up. The issue today is are we going to obey the commands of Christ? The authority on baptism is Jesus. Number two, the meaning of baptism is simple. The word here to baptize is, is where we get the word baptizo, and it means to baptize. You know, words over time can lose their meaning, or they can have a new meaning. This is kind of perplexing for me. But have you ever like walked up to your wife and she was getting dressed and she just looked really, really hot, and you looked at her and said, baby, you look fat. That is a sick dress. Whoa. Now those words have different meanings. Fat and sick. Two things women do not want to hear. Words can have different meanings at different times. And they can mean different things in even different generations. But in this time, the word baptize in scripture, it's a transliteration. And many times what we do is we miss the meaning of it. And so there's a lot of mystery around what does it mean. The word baptizo means this, to wash, to dip under, to drown, to immerse, or dunk something. It's referring to a merchant taking a garment and dipping that garment, baptizo, that garment in dye to change its color. They would take this one garment and they would dip it in a dye and it would come out and that suddenly that garment had a new look and a new identity to it. Why? Because it had been identified with the dye that was in the baptizo. So the word as... Awkward as it sounds, many people get it kind of weird, like translated, like what does that mean? But in these days, it was a very common term because in Luke chapter 11, verses 37 and 38, the Bible says this, when Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him. So he went in, reclined at the table, but the Pharisees were surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not first wash before the meal. That word wash is the same word baptizo, It was common that when you'd go into someone's house, you would wash your feet or someone else would wash your feet. What Jesus was trying to teach us here is that it's an ordinary word, but it loses its meaning sometimes in cultures. We got to go back to what it says. 
It means to change something. It's once you've been changed, then you identify with something. We're going to talk about that more in a minute. So if it's just a word, why do we talk about it? You ever thought about that? I mean, I know what it is. I know that the, the, the meaning of baptism is simple, so why do we talk about it? This is why it's so important. If you have a pen, write this down. The reason for baptism is identification. It's identification. In the scripture, he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus wanted us to identify with him. He wanted us to identify our lives with him. Have you ever thought about this? Ordinary symbols can have extraordinary meanings. I mean, ordinary symbols, as ordinary as they are, can mean something totally different once they have a different meaning behind them. In the first century AD, there was a clear distinction between the Gentiles and the Jews. You see, the Romans believed in many gods. They believed in a polytheistic society that there were like a whole like buffet of gods and you just choose the one that you want to choose. But the Jews believed in one God. They were monotheistic. They believed that this one God was the true God, Yahweh. And what was so crazy about that is that if you were a Gentile and you wanted to become a Jew, you would go through a series of rituals to become a Jew. The first one is this. There were symbolic actions that you would take. The first one is you would be circumcised. Number two, you would offer a sacrifice in the temple. Number three, you would partake in a ceremonial meal. Number four, you would begin to obey the law of Moses. Like you would begin to live your life according to what Moses taught in the law. And then number five, you would take a ceremonial washing. You would be baptizoed. And what it was doing is it was symbolizing that you were crossing over, becoming no longer a Gentile, but that you had become a true Jew. Now, here's what's crazy about that. It's a normal symbol, but it's a symbol of identification. And the point is this. The history of baptism goes all the way back as this symbol, but it has extraordinary meaning. It's kind of like this ring I wear. It represents, you know, for me, 23 and a half years of marriage. If I take this ring off, the good thing is I'm still married. Now, how many of you men in the first year you were married lost your wedding ring? Be honest. This is time to come clean with your spouse, <laughs> okay? Yeah, I've been there. Like, I, I tore the house apart one time. Like, I was, I was kicking doors down. Like, where did the ring go? Like, I went to bed, and it was on my hand, and I woke up, and it was gone. Somebody, I, I remember that. Tracy, somebody stole my wedding ring. The, the truth is, I'm still married. It is a symbol of identification in my life. And the picture is important. What is the picture? Baptism means to place under, to dip, to drown someone into the water as a symbol of their identity with Christ, as their identity. It's a picture of death and a picture of new life, and it represents cleansing, the idea that Christ has forgiven our sins. And so as we come out of the water, we are being reminded of what Christ has already done into our hearts. So people ask me all the time, they say, do I have to be baptized to be a Christian and go to heaven? The answer is no, absolutely not. Well, why is it important? Let me ask you a question. Do you have to have an NFL jersey to play football? No. 
But if you play for the Atlanta Falcons, do you wear a jersey on the field? Yes. Why? You're identifying with the team. That's what we're trying to to learn here today. Do I have to be baptized to be a Christian? No. Jesus was baptized in Matthew 3. I won't go there today, but in Matthew 3, verses 13 through 17, John the Baptist was out baptizing people, and all of a sudden Jesus comes on the scene, and he walks up to John the Baptist, and he says, hey, I want you to baptize me. Now, that's an awkward moment when you're John the Baptist, because you know that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Lamb of God, right? He comes on the scene, and he walks up to John the Baptist and says, you baptize me. Let me ask you a question. Did Jesus need to be baptized to be the the Father? No. So why did Jesus do it? He wanted to identify with the Father and paint a picture for us. It wasn't about salvation. It was about identification. You see, baptism is not getting your ticket so you can go to heaven someday. I meet people all the time. They say, man, I want to be baptized because I want to be forgiven of my sins. Listen, Christ alone is what forgives our sins. His death on the cross is more than enough to forgive us and cleanse us. But baptism, the meaning is identification. So another reason why it's important, you know, and and we talk about this idea of baptism doesn't save us. How do you know that that's true? Well, the thief on the cross. The Bible says that he believed in Jesus, and he's hanging on the cross with these two other robbers. And Jesus looks at him and says, hey, today you're going to be with me in paradise. He didn't have time to get baptized. There was no baptism water. There was no baptism celebration. But yet, Jesus said, today you're going to be with me. So if the meaning of baptism is identification, we need to think about it differently. Let me ask you this question. Can you be married without a wedding ceremony? Absolutely, man. Just go find yourself a justice of the peace. But let me ask you this question. How many women would want to marry a guy who wouldn't want to tell others publicly that she is his wife? (laughs) How many of you dads... Say, I hope my girl meets a guy someday who chooses not to have a wedding because he doesn't want the world to know that he's marrying my daughter. All right? I mean, you're going to say yes to the dress, right? I mean, you're going to go through the whole ritual. Why? You want to tell the world. Why? Because you want to be identified with that person. There's no man in this room. How many women would want to marry a guy without a ring on your finger? I mean, Beyonce, come on. But, you know, I don't know. Whatever. The truth is this. It's a piece of identification. And I want to say it to you this way today. Baptism is an ordinary event with an extraordinary meaning. And it's important that we understand that because Jesus was saying, after you're a disciple, after you're a follower of me, I want you to be baptized to tell others that you belong to me. I like to say it this way. It's a public declaration of a new association. That's why in Scripture he says, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Like, that's what happened to me the day that I gave my life to Christ. I began a relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So when I got baptized, I was telling the world that I'm now associated with these people. That is who I run with. That is my life. It's a public declaration of a new association. Let me tell you why else we need to understand about baptism. The time for baptism is after. The time for baptism is after. After what? 
after a person gives their life to Christ. You see, this is at the point where most people really get mad. They're like, oh, I don't like that point. I don't, I, I don't listen, it's really easy. Send your emails to I don't like that at jesus.email.com, okay? Because I'm not the authority on baptism. Jesus is the authority on baptism. The meaning of baptism is simple. It's about identifying, and we identify with Christ after we've given our life to him. Listen to this. There are 27 references in Acts, the book of Acts alone, to someone being baptized. All came after a person had placed their faith and trust in Jesus, not before. Not before. So some of you here today were baptized as a baby. You go, well, did that not mean anything? Well, here's what happened, okay? You honored your parents when they dedicated you to God. And that's a good thing. But you also just got wet. You say, what? Remember, jesus at gmail.com. That's where you need to send the email, right? But the truth is this. Many people ask, well, if that's the truth, should I be baptized? The answer is yes. Why? Because according to the New Testament, every time a person would place their faith in Christ, after that point is when they were publicly baptized. The order of baptism is important, and I'll explain that here in a second. People ask me, do we baptize infants here at our church? We do not. Why? Because a baby can't make a choice to decide to follow Jesus. I mean, when I was one, I could only do two things, poop and sleep. That was it. That's all I did. I couldn't make a choice. People could make choices for me, but they weren't my choice. Baptism is something you do after you choose to follow Jesus. The time for baptism is afterwards. Here's what we do in our church. We dedicate families and children to God. But why don't we baptize them? Because baptism is a symbol of when a person chooses to identify their life with Christ and it's their public confession of their faith. A two-year-old probably can't make that decision. You say, well, I don't like the order of what Jesus said because I want to be baptized as I was a baby so that if something happened to me, listen, it's Jesus's blood that saves us, not your baptism. And not your parents dedicating you. That doesn't save you either. The cross is enough. But the cool thing is this. Look at the order. If you go back to Matthew 28, he gives us the order. He says, therefore, go make disciples. What does that mean? A Christ one, someone who's following Jesus. And he says, after you make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father. Why? Because of identification. You see the progression there? It's after we have decided to follow Christ. You see, once you make a decision for Christ, that's when we're ready to be baptized. And here's the cool thing about that, and I want to say this to you today. That's when truly what your parents prayed for when they dedicated you is seen to fulfillment. Because you're really honoring what your parents intended, and that is, God, I want to dedicate this baby to you. And I want them to live for you, and I want them to know you, and I want them to have a relationship with you. And so the day you're baptized, after you give your life to Christ, you're literally, in a sense, honoring what your parents prayed for. But why do we get so messed up on that issue? Book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 41. 
Listen to what the Bible says. Those who accepted his message, what's that? The message of the gospel, were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. You see, I meet people all the time. They go, man, I've given my life to Christ, and I know that I'm a Christ follower, but I'm waiting until I understand it well. Understand what well? Because in Scripture, it never says you've got to have a 10-week discipleship course before you get baptized. It never says that. It never says you've got to know the whole book of Numbers from chapter 1 to chapter whatever so that you can then go be baptized. It says the moment that they believed Christ, the moment that they became a Christ follower, they were baptized. They didn't wait. There was no, hey, I'm going to wait six months till I understand it better. They identified with Christ immediately through baptism. So here's the truth. Some of you came to Christ as a teenager or when you were in college. Like for me, I was 17 years old. I gave my life to Christ on April 5th, 1987, and two weeks later, I was baptized. Why? Because I wanted the world to know that Jesus had changed my life, and I was identifying my life with his. You know, I think one of the struggles we have with this is this. We've built a culture that may not be completely biblical. For instance, well, you know, to be baptized, you have to walk down this aisle and sign a card and meet with this and do that. No, that's, they didn't have that. In the New Testament, the Bible says someone would be walking along and they would be sharing the gospel of Jesus with them, like what Jesus did on the cross. And they would say, hey man, I believe that. Like, I wanna know this Jesus. I wanna place my faith in him. And they would say, well, if, if that's true and you've done that in your heart, here's some water. Like, let's tell the world. I mean, Philip was, was on, his, on, on the way to a, a place and he met this Ethiopian guy and, and he came and he began to share with him out of the book of Isaiah and he believed on Christ and gave his life to Christ and he looks at him and he said, hey, here's water, why can't I be baptized? Why? Because it was meant to happen immediately. Baptism is not a six-year process, <laughs> but the time of baptism is after we choose to receive Christ. But I'm going to give you the last one, and this is the one I, I just get so excited about. The result of baptism is celebration. It's celebration. You see, baptism is not this somber, gregarian chant moment. Everybody be quiet. We're about to baptize. I mean, how many of you, when your child came out of the womb... You just looked at the nurses and said, be quiet. Nobody say nothing. It's a very somber moment. No, man. You were like, woo, that's my child. You know, you held him up to the doctor. But you know what we do sometimes when it comes to baptism? (laughs) We give it a golf clap. That was a really good putt, Pastor. We give it a golf clap. Somebody, somebody's standing in those waters and they are professing to the world that Jesus has changed their life and we're like, I wonder if Auburn's gonna be ranked number two. It's a throwdown. It's a throwdown moment. It's a party. 
It's watching someone tell their story about how Jesus changed their life and crossed their life from death to life. The result of baptism is celebration. Let me ask you a question today. What happens when I get baptized? Because some of you are out there going, okay, if I do this, if I take this step in my faith and I step out there and I say, man, I want to be baptized, what happens? What happens when I get baptized? Here's what happens. People will identify with your story and they will follow Jesus. Why? Because baptism is a witness. Some of you came here today and you're like, man, my life's so messed up. God can't forgive me of what I've done. I've done things I shouldn't do. Man, some of you in this room, you're super religious. You've crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's and circled all the O's. And, you know, your Christianity is is really cookie cutter. It looks good. But the truth is you're here saying, you know what? God could never forgive me. Yes, he can. Because when he went to the cross, it wasn't just about you. It was about the Father. And he did it so that the entire world could be set free. What happens when I get baptized? People will identify with your story and they follow Jesus. Father in heaven, I thank you today. That God, today we have a new picture of what baptism means. Lord, it is about identifying with you. And Jesus, you have the authority on it. It's, it's amazing when I make that statement. For some of us, it's like busting our bubble because we think that our family did or our church did or our pastor did or our priest did. And, and, and that's not true. Jesus, you are the one who told us that this is the way I want you to identify in this world that you follow me. It's not even through walking an aisle. It's not even through filling out a card. It's it's not even through wearing a bracelet that says what Jesus would do. That's not it. But you were very clear when it came to this objective decision. When you said, I want you to go make disciples of all nations. And I want you to baptize them. Because I want the world to see a continual picture of my amazing grace and how it changes a person's life. At both of our campuses today, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want to ask everyone to please stand to their feet. Would you just stand to your feet as we continue to pray in these next few moments together? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, here's what I want to ask you to respond to today. If you have never been baptized, which means you've never truly made the decision to come publicly and be baptized after following Christ, I want to invite you to do that today. At both of our campuses, you're going to have the opportunity to just step out. You say, well, I didn't bring any clothes to get baptized. That's okay. We've got clothes for you. We've got something you can change into. We've even got stuff to fix your hair when we're done. We have a t-shirt for you to wear, but here's what we want to do. We want to invite you to stick around and be baptized. And so with our heads bowed and our eyes closed today, I just want to ask publicly today at all of our campuses, have you been baptized according to what the Bible says? You say, well, Sean, is the order very important? Yes, it is. 
Because it's a step of growth in our life that we say, Jesus, I want to fully obey everything you taught in your scripture. And so here's what I want us to do. Just as the band plays lightly, I want to ask you right now, if you've never been baptized and you want to do that today, I want to ask you to step out and just come stand right here with me. If you're at our LaGrange campus, I want to ask you to step out and go stand at the front with our campus pastor, Pete, some of our staff team. But I want to invite you right now to just come stand. You say, well, I want to be baptized today. That's okay. Just come stand right here. We're not going to baptize you today. We'll, we'll fill out a card and help you set a date for your baptism. But here's what you're saying today. By stepping out, I'm willing to take the next step, and I would like to be baptized. If that's you here today, I invite you right now to step out, to just step out. Come on. I invite you. Just come stand right here. Just come stand down at the front in our theater today in LaGrange. We invite you to come. All over this room, as we continue to pray with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I just want to invite you to come and say, you know what? I have given my life to Christ and I'm identifying with him and I'm not afraid to tell the world that Jesus has changed my life and I'm choosing to identify. You come right now. And don't be afraid. I've prayed all week long, God. All I ask is that you would help our people learn to respond more greatly to your call. This is awesome. What an incredible opportunity you have to tell the world that you want to be baptized. You want Jesus to be the identifier of your life. It's not about religion. It's not about what someone did for you when you were two. It's about identifying your life with Christ. I'm going to ask some of our staff, if they would, to come help these folks. And they're going to take you outside and counsel with you just for a few moments. Help you decide when the best time is. We're going to be baptizing at our next service. I want to encourage you to stick around and be baptized then. If you're at our LaGrange campus, we're going to be baptizing outside. In front of the theater today, publicly. In downtown LaGrange, in front of the whole world, telling the world I'm not ashamed. I want to give you one more moment. Anybody else want to step out and say, today, I would like to set up a time or I want to be baptized today. I want to tell the world that I'm identifying my life with Christ. Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity that we have to be reminded of what seems like such a ordinary symbol. But God, it has extraordinary meaning. Lord, I thank you for the remembrance I have of the day that I was baptized. I remember coming out of that water and remembering I will forever be identified as a Christ follower. Jesus, that's how I want to be known. I want to be known as someone who follows you. And I thank you that that was one of the greatest days of my life. Lord, we thank you today for the word of God. I thank you for how it encourages us. But I also thank you for how it challenges us. God, help us to learn every day to be more responsive to you. In every part of our life, in Jesus' name, amen.